Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to a new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I today have a speaker and author, um, Rasmus Holind, who is uh, a Danish fellow, uh, and he's the founder of the Omnichannel Institute. Um, and the chief experience officer at Agilic. And what he does at Agilic, he'll explain in a bit. Um, again, he's an, he's an author. Um, hello, first name. His uh, book came out in April. And we're going to talk about that and personalization in MarTech on this podcast episode. But first of all, Rasmus, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you for the uh, for the uh, the invite, uh, Elias. Yes, well, I think you you said it well. Uh, I think first and foremost, I'm the chief experience officer at Agilic. It's a marketing automation software company. But behind me, I have a long background of uh, being a consultant. I've been working in digital agencies for, it seems like almost uh, 20 years now. Uh, but now, so I'm in the, in the software business. And I think I came, came to the software business because I became an author first in 2015. Um, and uh, later in 2019, I published uh, Make It All About Me uh, on lead publishing in, in London, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here in uh, in uh, in April, as you just said, uh, I published uh, Hello First Name, which was then my third publication. So I like to dive into how uh, marketing works and uh, what good looks like uh, and whatever uh, you can do to, to have success. Uh, by creating more personalized uh, customer experiences. I think that's very much at the, the heart of uh, what I do. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, this, 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 <laughs> yeah, this is actually uh, a very cool topic that we're going to talk, uh, talk about today. Um, personalization and the effects that AI have in personalization. Uh, but first of all, to, to uh, make clear to the listeners, because we have listeners from all over the world, from all different kinds of job functions. But when we talk about, and we're going to talk about personalization today, what kind of personalization are we talking about, Rasmus? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very good question, actually. Uh, so um, one of the key points, actually, also in the book, are one of the, key, the, the things that, uh, that is on my mind and that actually brought me into to writing a uh, hello first name. Uh, it's actually the fact that there exists m- many ways uh, of working with personalization, as you just put it. So I'm totally, totally glad that you, you asked that question. Uh, so, so I mean, for me, we can talk about uh, any kind of personalization, but I think the the main point here is that there exists many ways of uh, working with personalization. I think you have you have the the paid media campaign people. Uh, they are working with personalization, and at least they're getting their paycheck for working with personalization. It may not sound uh, totally straightforward for the people who are working with email marketing and uh, owned media and marketing automation because they'll be thinking that they're working with the right form of personalization. So maybe frowning a bit and uh, looking weird when they're talking to uh, advertising people who claim they're working with personalization. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you have the people who are working with, for instance, product recommendations or on-site web personalization or product discovery uh, personalization. And they believe themselves to also be working with personalization. And everybody is. All these people are working with personalization. But the important thing is that the definition of personalization has to be wide enough to encompass all these ways of working with personalization. But then we need a practitioner's view that is more detailed and more nuanced. 
on these three different forms of personalization. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm happy um, to to talk about uh, any of these three forms, basically. And the funny thing is that in the end, it actually comes down to 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 going the errand uh, of the customer to genuinely uh, being helpful with the content that you are uh, pushing to the uh, to the customers whether it's on owned media or uh, paid media whether it's on inbound or outbound channels if you find the content that is genuinely helping uh, the customer and gently pushing them towards making a decision that is in your favor faster uh, it all becomes omnichannel it all becomes next best experience it all becomes actually more and more the same and uh, moves out of the channels and into the customer journey Cool. So to offer this um, best experience and personalized experience in a buyer journey, you're offering different kinds of personalization. You mentioned uh, in ads, on on the web, in email, etc. Um, the stuff I'd like to elaborate a little more on is the web personalization because sure. um, you 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 um, uh, or there's some software that enables that web personalization. Um, it's a lot of software. <laughs> yeah, actually, and and no. they all do different stuff. So so some of them uh, personalize based on 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 web visits. Otherwise, other others find mm. uh, or scrape data from online or get third party stuff. Mm. So um, could you elaborate a little on the possibilities of web personalization? What kinds of stuff do people need to think about? What what's possible? Yeah, so a lot of stuff is possible, and I think. Um, I think where most people start when they're working with uh, with website or on-site personalization, uh, most people start with product recommendations. So they are using the in-session data mm-hmm. to find out which products to present uh, on top uh, or within a, a product category page. I mean, which products should be listed on top or which categories should be listed on top if you're on an overall category page. That's where most people start. So just based on the data that is at hand, without necessarily any integrations to any other systems than the uh, the, the website data. Uh, that's where most people start with um, uh, with website personalization. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, I think there's a good reason for that because when you are, we, so so I have this main model uh, in the book, it's called the bow tie of personalization. And I operate with basically two different types of content that you are working with when you're working with personalization. Even though you're working with your content feeds, so in e-commerce that would be uh, product feeds, or if you are in so, so on a on a category page, you'll be showing a lot of products. So that will basically be a, a feed of products uh, as I see it. And you can sort it, you can rank it, you can change the order, you can put favorites on top, you can mark the ones that are on discounts and whatever. And that's that's a way of uh, that's a way of working with personalization where you actually, as a marketer, don't create the content, you don't change the content, but you just change the the way that you present it and rank it. Uh, and that's where that's where most people start. And indeed, people do come to the to the website because they are interested in your products, or if it were a, 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 like a news media uh, website, it will be how you rank your articles. Uh, if you know what I mean, if you're on Netflix, it will be how you rank your shows. So you're ranking the content feature. You're showing. You're selecting. You're highlighting different items in them. That's one type of content that you could be personalizing with. But you could also choose to personalize uh, like the messages, like the key messages. So that could either be uh, an offer. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have three for two within a specific category. 
Uh, and that doesn't necessarily have to apply to the full customer base. So maybe you choose to only show this offer to the ones that could be interested in this. So it's three for two on menswear or womenswear or sports clothing or uh, underwear or whatever. Uh, so it could be the the message could be an offer, but it could also be something that you just want the customer to know. Uh, so it could be like all the stores are closed on Sunday, so don't come knocking. Uh, or on Monday where they normally would be open, perhaps a better example. Uh, it could be something that you want the customer to feel. Uh, so uh, maybe let them know that you are sponsoring this uh, huge ESG event and it will make them feel better about your brand. Uh, or it's something that you, you want them to do. Uh, so uh, remember to install our new app uh, or check out our new uh, collection of uh, whatever. And that's the message part. So, so coming back to, to to finally answer your question, I would say that what are the possibilities? I think the possibilities are that you could be working with the content feeds and you can be using all kinds of data and also AI and algorithms and common sense and business knowledge to make sure that you present not only the right products in the right order, but also that you present the right shelves, product shelves, the subcategories in the right order. Uh, that's one way of working with it. Or you could be personalizing the uh, the messages, the offers, the call to actions, the yeah, basically everything else that you want to to tell the, the customer. Love it. Uh, and uh, on top of that, uh, there are all kinds of uh, you could be personalizing the the search results. Uh, basically, that's also a content feed, the search result page uh, on your website uh, for product discovery. Uh, or you could be also uh, personalizing, for instance, different kinds of, of pop-ups where you are enticing people to, to sign up to your list or go to the basket or check out this new category or whatever. But basically, that would come back to be a, some sort of a message personalization. The possibilities are endless. So you 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 just named a few. Um, and I can imagine that people that are listening, they're, they're not all marketers at at large corporate firms so you yeah. already mentioned a netflix or, or an amazon but um i can imagine that that the huge corporate fir firms use platforms like that digital engagement platforms like a, the adobe experience manager or whatsoever yeah. but <laughs> let's say let's be honest 98 percent of marketers don't have that don't stuff work at amazon at hand <laughs> no, they have to work there so um what, what would you advise listeners that are working at a smaller company but still want to take advantage of personalization options and possibilities? Mm -hmm. What kind of, of stack should they be using? Do you have some tips or, on what kind of technology they could be using um, even in a smaller environment? Yeah, uh, so 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 I think for uh, mostly I work in the in the enterprise or upper mid market uh, segment. So I think for for small business owners, I may not be the the right uh, person to ask uh, mm -hmm. for for this uh, to to be completely honest. But I think that if you if you Google product recommendations tools, that would be fairly easy for you to to get started with. Uh, if you're working with Shopify, some of them are already. Uh, already with out-of-the-box uh, integrations, uh, and that would be a, a fair uh, place to start. But in general, when you're talking about uh, personalization on the website, I think this is perhaps, I mentioned uh, earlier, I mentioned the three categories uh, of, of working with personalization. So either you're working with outbound campaigns, uh, whether on paid or owned media, or you're working with marketing automation where you're catering to the customer life cycle as, more as opposed to the yearly cycle or or mm -hmm. your campaign cycle, or you're working with with the website uh, or the app, uh, your app uh, even. Uh, and I would say that actually out of these three categories, website personalization is actually 
on the website, that's where you spend more time optimizing the general experience for the average customer. So basically working with conversion rate optimization. And you can spend mm-hmm. a long time working on that to get the lot of the, the, the basics uh, straight before you actually move into uh, optimizing the specific experience for the known customer or for the for the single customer. So generally, when you're working with uh, with with uh, with websites and uh, commerce and uh, apps, you should actually maybe sometimes wait a bit working with personalization because there'll be a lot of other stuff that you need to iron out. Do we have the right uh, payment providers? Do we have the right um, uh, design of our product category pages, product details pages. Do we have the right menu structure? Do we have the right, um, uh, do we have the right point, the right information architecture? And really need to dive into your your customer insights. Maybe create even more customer insights. Doing your user centered research and design, and make you sure that you get the general experience good before mm-hmm. moving into the specific experience for the uh, for the individual customers. Absolutely, and and I'm completely with you there. Um, since we're talking about personalization, um, what what would be and and again, you're you're talking mainly to to mid market and 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 larger organizations. But let's say you're a marketer at a mid market uh, yeah. organization. What would be the first thing to personalize in in your opinion? What would be the number one thing you would start personalizing in the journey? Yeah. So first of all. You are you can you can pay if you if you're into advertising and you're doing Google ads or ads with Meta or whatever mm-hmm. you can hardly do any ads without uh, working with personalization because you would always have to make up your mind about okay which audience am I uh, interested in presenting this particular ad in front of you may not change the ad as such you will probably be working with uh, multiple ads for different categories or different segments and whatever and trying to match those up with different audiences. That's also personalization. So I'd say if you are working with any kind of advertising, you are already working with personalization because you cannot not do it, basically. Mm-hmm. And then when you are looking into the, um, uh, the, the the campaigns on your own media, uh, it's it's so easy to get just a little bit of data uh, on your end customers when you're working with, uh, for instance, newsletters. So trying to just figure out based on the, the last click behavior or website behavior, which parts of my inventory uh, is each particular client mostly interested in? Or by doing uh, doing the the broader segments uh, for your for your newsletter campaigns and for your your ongoing uh, yearly campaign track. So that's that's so simple to to get the data there and make sure that you at least cater for the average segments and making sure and, and that's good because you get a, you have a normally you have a lot of volume uh, a lot of reach uh, on your. Uh, on your newsletters and on your, on your campaigns. So you'd get some kind of bang for the buck by doing the, the simple uh, segmentations there. But really where, what it all boils down to, I think, is the, uh, is the customer journey. So if you look into your customer journey and imagine that your customer journey was uh, like one big ribbon for uh, like when you're wrapping presents. So that, mm-hmm. that you have one big ribbon that is your uh, customer journey from the customer doesn't know you until the customer doesn't want to know you uh, anymore. So basically an unsubscribe in the, in, in, in the end. Yeah. And uh, during that customer journey, there will be specific points in there that are the most important for your business. So that could be uh, um, people who are in the midst of making a purchase and they're coming to the uh, the payment page. That could be a place where the customer journey could potentially break. 
So, uh, so, and 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 that's where you need to to think. Okay, what do I do here in order to 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 mend the gap here? And for as for the payment uh, provider or the payment page, it's uh, probably more a question of localization, making sure that you have the right payment providers for for the individual country that the customer is a resident in. But if there could be other places in the customer journey, so let's say that people who are normally purchasing there. Uh, whatever that shampoo from your website and suddenly you don't see them having done that for quite some time so that that's a moment of truth in the customer journey where you need to get the customer back they're normally shopping from you and now suddenly you see that they're not so this is a moment of truth this is a place in the customer journey where the customer journey breaks and if this is an important uh, moment for you so this is this is particular example from uh, from retail or from commerce could also be like for instance for health clubs someone who haven't been to the gym for two weeks so mm-hmm. are they they're basically basically turning into couch potatoes how do we get them back how do we re-engage them people who are using your subscription service but then suddenly they are not people who are on a trial membership and now they see that some of these people are not converting to to a, to a full membership. So all these moments of truth that are of the most value uh, to your company, when the customer journey breaks there, you should not only mint the customer journey and trying to fit it back together, you should tie a beautiful bow using all the insights at your disposal to make sure that you present each individual customer with the actual content that will make uh, him or her uh, cross the line to the other part of the customer journey and continue on. And that's that's where the the bow tie on. This, this is maybe a bit graphical to to explain just in in words. But imagine that you have this ribbon, and and for all the most important places in the customer journey, you tie a beautiful bow where you use all the insights and you do personalized content to make sure that you have each individual customer cross over to the next part of the customer journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where personalization becomes beautiful because then it becomes at the customer's terms and it has to happen omnichannel. So when you are uh, meeting, when you are realizing that this particular person uh, is in this particular uh, difficult or dangerous part of the customer journey, it's not a matter of sending an email or doing something on the website or serving them with the correct ad. It's it's a matter of doing all of those. So really taking an omnichannel approach to, to your personalization efforts. But that's that's advanced stuff. Uh, I, I realize that but uh-huh. that's, that's where we are heading in in the, in the long run. Yeah, and I think that's it's, it might might sound advanced, but it's the tooling is also enabling this. I think yeah, um, more uh, than ever, more than ever. So, um, what what kind of let, let's talk about those tools in the stack. So, what kind of tools or platforms do you do you recommend there? Because I can I can see that that in the mid market you would need some kind of of um, of, of a platform there. Yeah. But first of all, would you, would you recommend like let, recommend like an all in one platform or rather a best of breed platform? Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, so, so I have a I have a, with me in the book I have a co-author Franz Riemersma. Uh, who's also Dutch, uh, mm-hmm. and he has very great insights. To this. So we 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 went over this topic quite a lot, and he has an, a lot of interesting research uh, on the topic. I suggest that you uh, you go and also check him out. He's uh, from martechtribe.com. Yep. Uh, he's doing a lot of these uh, Martech maps also with uh, Scott Brinker uh, from uh, um, from Chief Martech. Yep, and, and HubSpot. Yeah, and they also have spot. Yeah, they real team in. He still he still carries <laughs> on his own business. Yeah, and uh, both are extremely extremely pleasant people and very knowledgeable. Yeah, uh, within this space, and uh, Franz has data from more than one thousand uh, real life stacks on which kind of system types they implement and also in which order based on how mature they consider their own uh, Matic stack. 
and so there's actually a there's there's an order that is this normally um, normally taken, and uh, not surprisingly, uh, people start out with uh, with having a, a, a website, which means they probably have a CMS system. Mm-hmm. So that's like number one. Uh, then they at the same time they normally bring on an email service provider to just be able to send out a fairly generic uh, newsletters. Then they transition into uh, to having uh, commerce. Of course, some people, some companies start uh, earlier with this. Uh, so being able to provide their services digitally, so we think commerce in a broad term, as well as having a CRM system. Uh, and then at sort of that time, they normally move into having a, uh, a marketing automation platform as well. So they actually change their ESP, which is normally a fairly simple email platform system, into having a marketing automation platform where they can both do the uh, the, the campaigns and the newsletters, but also do more automated trigger-based customer lifecycle marketing automation communication. Um, and uh, from then on, the the more uh, experienced ones uh, all also are looking into um, uh, product recommendation systems from the, for their uh, so website on-site personalization systems. They are moving into uh, customer data platforms to get better uh, ideas of their insights and, and better. Um, uh, better, better, better funneling uh, of data uh, to and from and between systems uh, and centralizing the insights. And what we're actually seeing in the future is that they will also be looking into having what we call central content platforms. Because in the end, as, an, as, I, as I mentioned before, the personalized communication that you'll be uh, reaching out to your customers with have to have has to have an, an omni-channel perspective. So you really need to get your insights uh, centralized in the form of, for instance, a customer data platform. We also need to get your messaging and your content uh, centralized so that you can deploy and use this efficiently across the different platforms. So I, I think in the very near future, we'll be seeing the uh, uh, the, the customer content platform uh, pop up as, as a category. Cool, cool. So thanks, thanks for that insight. The final question that I have, because we're almost, well, we're through our 20 minutes already. Uh, this, is going, this is going fast, but <laughs> I, I do have a final question for you because sure. one of the things I, I keep on hearing from marketers when talking about personalization is that it, it takes a lot of work or they think it will take a lot of work uh, yeah. to personalize all those journeys. Um, so the question that I have there is, is, is AI going to help in this? Yeah, totally. So AI is already helping in this. So I think so. One of the uh, the things that I hear a lot uh, when talking about about personalization is the fact that people believe that they should be creating so much more content uh, mm-hmm. in order to 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 uh, to cater for the uh, the individual uh, every kind of individual situation. Uh, and I think if you if you consider the bow tie personalization, which is the the main model uh, in my book, and by the way, people can uh, can download a free abstract of the book. Just Google uh, agility. I'll put it in the show notes. notes. Yeah, I'll put those in the show notes so people find can find it. Exactly. Uh, you can also download all the the illustrations from the book, the models and such. But if you consider the the bow tie personalization, it consists of four models uh, or four uh, four parts, four corners uh, of a bow tie. Or bow. Uh, it's basically your insights parts would be either like your, your customer segments. It could either be value-based or um, or it could be like more persona type uh, customer. Or it could be your um, your moments of truth. So where in the customer life cycle or what is, is, is a particular customer or what is going on in their life right now that could mean they could be into some kind of uh, offer or message that we have. So that would be your insight parts, uh, the inside part of the, of the bow tie. And AI has already helped 
making that more precise to determine your segment or determine what is going on in customers' life uh, right now. AI has been helping with that for years. AI has also been helping out on the, the content side of the, of the bow tie, namely with getting the product recommendations right, getting the, uh, the news article feeds or your, your show feeds uh, ordered and ranked and prioritized right. So AI has been helping with that. What AI hasn't been helping you with up until now is creating the messages. So the creative messages, uh, the offers, the, uh, the lines of argumentations, the, the conversion copy, the stuff that will make people uh, actually do something that they otherwise wouldn't have done. Uh, and this has been the part of the bow tie or the part of personalization that hasn't been able to scale using AI up until now. But now with the advent of generative AI, Finally, we can we can scale better this final part of personalization. And I think we'll be seeing a lot of that. I've been experimenting quite a lot with that myself. And you can actually uh, fairly easily uh, get from zero to 70, 80% uh, when you're doing conversion copy, when you're doing uh, creative imaging and such for, for new new campaigns and new segments and whatever by using ChatGPT or MidJourney and some of these uh, uh, some of these services that are out there. And there's a myriad of, of tools that is that is actually already drawing upon those uh, those services. So I think that's going to be a game changer. It'll be much easier to to create the uh, the content that is needed by using uh, generative AI uh, in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one of the um, guests that I had earlier was Nick, who is the mm -hmm. CMO at AnyWord. Um, yeah. And I've been using AnyWord a couple of times now. Um, I actually signed up for for one of their plans, but um, for marketers, this is also helping very much in content because it's uh, rather than, you know, what ChatGPT, if you have an account to open AI and mm. um, it's, it's very broad, you have to, to but it's it's basically all in one content uh, and, and well, search engine, it helps you with anything you want to, yeah. um, whereas AnyWord is specifically made for marketers. So it will help you to generate content, uh, yeah. put, in, put in your persona. So it will keep those personas in mind when generating any content. So uh, it, it's not that I have any stakes in this or so, but it's just that uh, I had a yeah. positive experience there. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think that we'll be seeing, so, so, from, so to begin with, we'll be seeing this help from AI in creating uh, the content for the segments or for the specific moment of truth. But I think in the end, in the end, I think that we'll be briefing uh, the generative AI, not with a segment type or a moment of truth type. We'll be briefing them with the whole history of a whole interaction and data history that we have with each individual customer in order to let the generative AI decide what is the message, not for this segment, but for this particular individual. And that will be uh, very interesting uh, for me to see how that will play out. But... I have this feeling, and it's only a feeling that we we could be seeing a bit the same as we're seeing with self-driving cars. That we are we're getting very close, and it's almost good, but we're also a bit afraid to to really let it run by itself. Yep. So I think a lot of yep. human supervision will be will be needed for quite some time yet. So the generative AI will help us get closer to the target, but we'd still have to make sure that we. Uh, we oversee and we watch and we supervise and we uh, quality control what is actually going out to our customers or else mm -hmm. things could uh, potentially uh, go wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it's 
it's also the way it's built nowadays, right? So um, already some of the marketing automation platforms have built AI into them. So when when you're sure. setting up a newsletter, it will it well there's a ChatGPT integration. Mm. Um, I've seen that with I think HubSpot, Acton does that. So there's this couple of, there's a couple of a couple of vendors that are already let's say trying to to incorporate it and yeah, but it's the first steps. So um, it you can't rely on it really yet. So it's what you said. It's 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 the seventy percent of the job, and the thirty percent uh, is still the marketer that needs to enhance and fine tune everything. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward for the future and seeing let's say how this software really is gonna this ai well is, is really gonna help to to prioritize which which content is is for which uh audience or which person yeah. which recommendation is is best for each person etc so that's there's a there's a cool future coming uh, i think I for think text that's... for text it's it's better i tried it also with uh, with mid journey and for for image presentations and mm-hmm. uh, just a uh, personalized images and with the images, it can be a bit harder because yeah. you can really not use an image that is 80% okay. No, no, <laughs> I mean, it has to be 100. But, <laughs> yeah. but you can see immediately that, okay, so this guy who's trying, trying to do bench press in the gym, he has three arms and that's not okay. I mean, no. I cannot use that at all. I cannot edit that myself and remove the third arm or whatever. No. <laughs> or if you're trying to make a mid-journey do images of people kite surfing, it's going to look totally crazy yeah uh, but i think gradually we'll be weeding out those things that um, the generative ai uh, image generators cannot do properly and it'll be gradually better and better but there'll still be edge cases where you say okay this looks completely off yeah. and uh, you wouldn't want to risk uh, using any of those in your intimate uh, marketing automation conversations with customers no, I totally agree. Um, Rasmus, with through our time, so I'd like to thank you very much for being on the Marketing Technology Podcast. Welcome. Again, Huge pleasure. Again, for listeners, I'll put um, a link to Rasmus's his LinkedIn profile in the show notes, as well as a link to the book, because um, I think on Agilix website, there is a part of the book that you already can download. So I'll put and include exactly. a link to that as well. So uh, people will know where to find you on LinkedIn and can download the, the first chapters of the book um, and see how this works, everything you refer to. And again, thank you very much, Rasmus. Thanks so much for, for having me. Huge pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.